Hey, this is Randy Gage, and you're listening to the Power Prosperity Podcast. When you think of pursuing your life's true calling, what comes to mind? Does it excite you, or do you feel anxious, uncertain, and overwhelmed? Perhaps you know deep down inside that you're destined for greatness, but you're not sure what that is or how it can be achieved. Our upbringing and media may have shaped our fear-based mindset. Now, if you're like most people, you've probably heard of the term scarcity mindset, but don't really know what it means. Don't worry, because in this episode, we are breaking down what a scarcity mindset is and how you can build an abundant mindset. Today's guest is Randy Gage. Randy is a thought-provoking, critical thinker who is creating a worldwide impact through his teachings on abundance, prosperity, and free enterprise. He's authored 14 best-selling books, which translated in 25 languages, including his most recent, Radical Rebirth. Randy can help you apply these timeless principles of prosperity in today's crazy world. He's spoken to more than 2 million people across more than 50 countries and is a member of the Speaker's Hall of Fame. When he is not prowling the podium or locked in his lonely writer's garret, you can find him playing third base for a softball team somewhere. Thanks for joining us today, Randy. Hey, great to be with you, Danielle. We met at the National Speaker Association meeting, and it was such a pleasure to meet you. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. You talked a lot. You're such an expert on prosperity. But what I would really like to dive in today is a scarcity mindset. We hear about a scarcity mindset, but not all of us really know what that means and how it affects our everyday lives and achieving the goals that we want to accomplish. Will you share with us a little bit about what a scarcity mindset is? Yeah, the term I would use is poverty consciousness versus prosperity consciousness. So when you're operating your life from prosperity consciousness, you're going toward positive things. When you're living in poverty consciousness, you're probably fear-based. You're running away from negative things. Poverty consciousness is people who want to quibble and negotiate and bargain on everything they buy. They make every decision by the lowest possible cost. They don't ever splurge themselves So if you have prosperity consciousness, you'd say, hey, I'm going to give myself a spa day for doing this great accomplishment. If you have prosperity consciousness, you say, hey, I should get a massage once a week. Because if everybody in the world got a massage once a week, there would be no war, (laughs) right? Where poverty consciousness is, a lot of it got worse during the Great Depression. That generation passed it on to our grandparents who passed it on to our parents who passed it on to us. If you say, hey, let's order a pizza, their first thing they're going to say is, okay, let me check the coupon drawer and see where I have the best coupon. It would never occur to them, what's the pizza you like the most? What's the one you want to order? The idea of flying first class or business class, their head would explode for some people. They just can't ever justify paying more for anything. Scarcity mindset is defining that part of the consciousness that is always think that prosperity is finite, that it's limited, that if we give some to Mary, 
it has to come from Becky. And that's just a bad premise because all the true elements of prosperity, money, love, happiness, hugs, whatever, they're infinite. The more you give out, the more you give back. So the scarcity mindset is the one that thinks, no, it's limited. I made this money. I got to hang on to it with a death grip. And for those of us who grew up in similar environments, I also grew up where we didn't have a lot of money. I often heard this, we don't have money. We don't have money. We would make family vacations and cancel them at the last minute because we were scared that we weren't going to have enough money. And I can only imagine how that affects us in the long term when it comes to whether or not we take risks in life or also how we reward ourselves for some of our accomplishments. I know individuals who have the money and the resources to buy the boat that they want, to buy the house that they want, to splurge on items, but they don't because they constantly live in this fear of, what if I lose my job tomorrow? Or what if the market crashes and we don't have money? They're constantly living in that fear. What advice would you give to individuals who are constantly living that moment saying, I can't do X, Y, Z because of the fear of missing out on not having enough money? This is the essence of my work for 30 years is coaching people through that. For some people, including me, it was a really arduous process because I just got the same programming my family has. It's like you get it from your mother's teeth when you're being breastfed. It's so pervasive. If you ask me to, hey, let's go to dinner. Well, you know, no, it's downtown. We're not going to find anywhere to park. Oh, let's go. No, it's probably going to be crowded. If this doesn't work, I mean, whatever you would propose, my negative, instinctive, knee-jerk reaction is, or was, I should say, why that really shouldn't work, couldn't work, won't work, don't do it, stay the course, whatever. It's brainwashing. There's no other way to say it. It's complete and total brainwashing. You were brainwashed for decades, for decades. We were talking before we hit record about my book, Radical Rebirth, which I suggested you read. In there, I lay out what I think are the six main areas for life. What's going to determine if you have a healthy, happy, prosperous life? Got money and success, job and career, marriage and relationships, health and wellness, right? So I take each of those six and break down just how insidious the negative programming is in each one of those areas. And in each one of those areas, I can show you that you probably were indoctrinated before you were eight years old because. You were mentioning, they say, well, we don't have money. Hey, money doesn't grow on trees. We were talking about my podcast where I'm talking about the movies. The very first Spider-Man movie, which started the whole superhero blockbuster genre. There's a scene where Peter Parker is talking to his aunt and uncle. And his uncle says, we may not be rich, but at least we're honest. Think about that a minute. What does that mean? Translate that. That means rich people are evil. Poor people are noble. You should be happy that you're poor. So you bought some popcorn and some milk duds and you think you're enjoying a little escapist movie. No, you're still being brainwashed with the same crap you learned 
as a child. And it's just reinforce, reinforce, reinforce. For me, to this day, I still do daily self-development time. But that was the kind of the way out for me was I counter-programmed all of those limiting beliefs with positive programming. And it took me a couple of years, really assiduously working really deeply in this area. And then I still find myself now and then backsliding and having those negative thoughts. But there's this tipping point. Once you get to 51% of positive thoughts, then the snowball's going down the hill instead of up the hill. 51 will turn into 53, and 53 will turn into 55, and you'll keep building on it. But until you get to that 51%, one of the things I used to do, I used to carry a rubber band, and I kept it on my wrist. And every time I had a negative thought, a limiting belief like that, I'd snap the rubber band just to change my state, remind myself, okay, no, 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 that belief doesn't serve me. I spent a lot of time also in that moment of trying to overcome these limiting beliefs. And my friend had said something that resonated that I've also practiced today in helping me overcome those limiting beliefs, which is looking at my bank account and some of the accomplishments that I've had throughout the years and saying, because I would live in this moment of going, I don't want to spend money or I don't have enough money. That belief that was taught for such a young age. But what was it doing? It was preventing me from living my life and traveling and going on vacation. So anytime it's checking myself and saying, well, in all reality, if everything hit the fan tomorrow and I lost, I didn't have a job, it wasn't making an income, I could financially support myself for quite a while. Is it worth living in that scarcity mindset or the poverty mindset and not enjoying life to its fulfillment? Because we can't promise tomorrow. Why are we holding back and not enjoying our life today? If you're a woman who's five foot, four inches, and you weigh 80 pounds, great. And you want to fly economy on an airplane, okay, because you're saving some money and you're going to use it to buy your grandchildren Christmas toys. All right, if that's your thing. But if you're the average person, that seat gets smaller every couple of years. It's made for people who are 5'10" maximum, 160 pounds maximum. The average person now is like 230 pounds. Even 16-year-old kids, 17-year-old kids are seven foot tall, six foot four, six foot three, right? Because of genetics and steroids and good stuff and bad stuff, nutrition and hormones and steroids and stuff and the meat supply and stuff. People are just bigger and our diet is horrific. So people are overweight. I know people who are very wealthy, who probably have a net worth of $15 million, and they always fly economy because they say, come on, economy is $300, first class is $1,500. That's such a waste of $1,200. I think you need to work on your self-esteem. There's a guy, he's a prosperity guru. He writes books on prosperity. I was here and listening to him. He was on a podcast with Tim Ferriss. I like the guy, good stuff. I read his book. It's a good book. But he was saying how if the flight was more than four hours, they had, then he would fly business class. And I'm like, come on, you're supposed to be a prosperity guy. You should be in a position in your life now where you can do that. And like I say, if you're 
80 pounds, maybe it's not a big deal to you, but it, it's just the whole service, the whole cattle car mentality in the back. And don't get me wrong, when I started my business, I was flying coach. I was sitting in row 38 in the middle seat across from the lab doing what I had to do to grow my business. You do what you got to do. But I said every time I got on a plane and I walked by those first class seats, I told myself, I'm going to get to the point where I can fly in first class. I used it to drive me. And then I just got to the point. So I called my travel agent and I said, okay, don't ever book me in economy again. I've made the jump from here on. And it's like the first few trips after that, she would say, okay, I know you want to fly first class, but just want you to know that, you know, the ticket's $2,000 and if you flew economy, it'd be $650. And finally, I told Isabel, don't send me those numbers. I don't want to see them. It's a self-esteem issue for me. I'm six foot two. I'm a big guy. Those planes, and they're not made for me. It's not about a status or signaling. It's about comfort. In my case, I'm flying all over the world. I need to get on a flight where I can sleep, have a lay flat bed. I can have good meal. I can have entertainment. I got room. I can pull up my laptop. I can plug it in and work. I can arrive at my event fresh, had a productive flight, rested, well-fed, and do my best job. I mean, if you're flying the 15-hour flight from LA to Sydney, and you're doing that in economy, I mean, what kind of shape are you going to be in by the time you land? I would imagine the same applies for a car. For those of you out there that are listening that aren't traveling as much as maybe you and I are, even the car, when you think about if you're commuting each day an hour and back to work, hour there, hour back, you're spending two hours a day in your car. So yes, could a car get you from point A to point B? But the comfort in sitting in a luxurious car that's more comfortable, better sound system, has a sunroof, has the lumbar support in your back. I remember people would always question me of why do you buy luxury cars? It's the comfort. I spend majority of my time in my car. I want to be comfortable. Yeah, the point A to point B, I'm always talking about that. It's the perfect example of poverty consciousness. If you've ever been in a Bentley Continental GT and you've been in a Chevy Metro or Geo or something, you cannot say they're the same. You're just going from point A to point B. You can't tell me, okay, when you turn off the light, the hotel room is the same anyway. No, it's not. You can have a suite on the ocean with a view, with a good mattress, with space to breathe and be harmonious and have luxuries like soundproofing in the walls. <laughs> you could stay at a Roadstar 8 or whatever, and you can hear the conversation on each room beside you. You hear the ice machine crashing all night long every time the elevators come. The mattress is cheap. It should have been replaced five years ago. The carpet is ratty. It's dirty. Come on. You can sell yourself those stories. But if you are, you're just selling yourself poverty consciousness. Is there a deep desire inside you to do more? Perhaps you want the time and freedom for what matters most to you. Suppose you had a clear vision of what your future looked like. Break through any roadblocks that have held you back from pursuing your vision. The steps to building a profitable, impactful business. I work with women who want to develop the grit, resilience, and courage 
necessary to build a thriving and impactful business. Check out the show notes to download your free business building workbook and schedule your call with me today. And I want to emphasize too, you are not somebody that came from a wealthy family. Your first car, if I remember correctly, was it a $200 or $600 mail truck? Been listening to one of your episodes? That wasn't my first car, but that was one of my cars. Yeah, I bought a mail car at the auction from the post office. I paid $200 for it. And it didn't have a passenger seat because that's where they kept the mail trays. It was made for delivery. And the floorboards was rusted out. It was like the Flintstones. I could put my feet through the floor of the car. Yeah, I came from very poor upbringing. I'm not some trust fund baby who's like, come on, what's the big deal? Why doesn't everybody fly first class? No, I'm saying be prudent, but believe in yourself, invest in yourself. Find the things that are important to you. I'm a car guy. I love luxury cars. I love exotic cars, sports cars. I spent millions of dollars on cars. You can't justify it from an investment standpoint. And a lot of people try. It's like, my Lamborghinis are good. No, it's a terrible investment. You drive a car like that out of the showroom, you lose hundred grand in the blue book value as soon as you get out of the driveway. But if you love cars like I do, then I don't care. Because I spent millions of dollars on cars, but I had the millions of dollars to do it. I don't finance them. I pay cash for them. I earn the money and I pay cash. A lot of you watching or listening, maybe cars aren't your thing. Maybe for you, it's a ski lodge in Aspen. Maybe it's a bungalow down in Costa Rica. Maybe it's Harley, whatever. But you've got to think about What are the things in your life that really matter to you, that really would enhance your health, happiness, and prosperity? And those are the ones, don't skimp on them. Don't go the poverty consciousness route. I know that in your book, and I'm so excited to read your book, you go into all aspects of our life, whether it's our marriage or relationships, but let's hone in a little bit on career, whether it's how poverty mindset or conscious mindset plays into our career or also whether we're starting a business. Because I have a lot of listeners out there kind of going, I want to get a new job, but they're in a toxic work environment and they're scared to make the leap because they might think that negative mindset, they think that maybe that's going to be the next job as well. Can't get any better than where they're at. Or maybe they're thought about starting a business, but then that thought process goes in is to what if I don't make money and how am I going to provide for my family? What advice do you have for those listeners? Toxic job, man, life is way, way, way too short to work in a toxic environment. And life is way, way, way too short to live in a toxic marriage or relationship. If you look at the percentage of your life that you spend at work, that you spend with your significant other, you cannot stay in a toxic, dysfunctional scenario like that. It's just a steady drumbeat of capitulation. Your life becomes so rote and meaningless and arduous. You got to get out of toxic relationships of any kind as quickly as you can. Be prudent. There's safety and security issues sometimes with relationships, with jobs. You don't want to just drop and not have something to go. But 
you can be putting out feelers, updating your resume, putting a post on Indeed or LinkedIn or something and searching out there. There are better opportunities for you. The business thing, not everybody's cut out to be an entrepreneur. It took me a while to really recognize that because I just feel like everybody should be their own boss. It's like, okay, I get we need people to work at McDonald's and Taco Bell and the supermarket and the convenience store and whatever. But those should be entry-level jobs and grow through them and then work your way up to the highest possible version of yourself. That highest version of yourself may not be an entrepreneur going into your own business. It's definitely a different mindset. Elon Musk, I'm paraphrasing him, but basically he was equated entrepreneurship with staring into the galaxy chewing glass. It's tough. That's abrasive. (laughs) (laughs) And I've been making payroll for 40 years. So I've made it work, but there were times it was touch and go. You know, at this point in my life, I'm psychologically unemployable. If I work for somebody, one of us is going to be dead. I don't know which one, but it'll be one of us. So it's better I don't work for anybody. But not everybody's that way. That entrepreneurial gene isn't there for everyone. But you can have a very lucrative career working for other people. There's very good, high-paying, rewarding, fulfilling jobs out there. But I'm a big, big believer in sidekicks. I've done direct selling my whole life. I think that's a wonderful way for people to experiment. Uber or Uber Eats or Lyft or delivering pizzas or working a couple of days a week at Starbucks as a barista or whatever, selling stuff on eBay, creating a store on Alibaba, social media influencing. I mean, there's a lot of options today for how someone can make money as an entrepreneur and not have to quit their job. That would be my advice for someone who's not sure about this. Go on and do a side gig thing and see how you take to the entrepreneurial life. I'm working with a lot of women right now who are in corporate. However, they have this calling inside. They have this voice inside that they want to do more, but they don't necessarily know what it is. They're starting to explore that side hustle and having the financials of their corporate job and the freedom to hire some support while they launch this new business. And then they get to explore whether they're going to keep it as a side hustle or whether this is going to be the next chapter in their life and in their career. But it's extraordinary to see their journey and be part of that process is very fulfilling. Yeah, I love to hear that. That's what people should do is find out. We have this crazy belief in our society that you should know what you want to do by the time you're 22. 22, you don't even know who you are. Your brain just barely finished developing. Go out, take a year off, travel the world, go on a sabbatical, go do a foreign exchange program, try different things out. Amazing how many 25 and 30-year-old people are just beating themselves up because they haven't found their calling in life. And that's going to evolve over time. And for me, I felt like life began when I turned 50. That's when you know who you are. You made all the dumb, stupid, major mistakes that you need to make to learn. You got some money now. You got some freedom now. You got some equity in all kinds of relationships and situations and whatever. 
And for me, that was the real, when I felt like now I'm really living. I think people got to put less pressure on themselves. That is excellent advice. There's a lot of people out there that do put that pressure on themselves. I hear this often. I should have everything figured out by this point. I should know what I want to do. And the reality is, is we change over time. What we did yesterday may not be what we want to do tomorrow. My husband was a very successful entrepreneur, owned his own business, graduated with his MBA. And after graduating, closed his business and joined the army at 32 years old. Talk about a radical shift in what he was doing, but he was searching for something with purpose and fulfillment. And that's why he made that change. And I'm left corporate at 37 and started my own business. And I thoroughly enjoy the journey and looking at what the future brings. And it may even change five years from now, who knows, but it's never too late to explore whether you're working for a company and exploring a different industry, a different role, or whether you're thinking about starting that side hustle or branching out entirely on your own. It is never too late to pursue your dreams. Yeah. I was 30. I was running a restaurant with a partner. We had opened it. We didn't really have the money. We were trying to bootstrap it. We couldn't pay the taxes. The IRS came and seized the restaurant. And I thought that was the most horrific day of my life. And now I look back on it and say, that is the greatest blessing that ever happened to me. Because that's where I started out. I was expelled from school at 15, at 16. I didn't go to college. I didn't have any of that stuff. I started as a minimum wage dishwasher. I worked my way up, became a cook and a manager trainee, and then a manager, and then a open a restaurant because that seemed to be the great career path. So there I was working 80, 90, or 100 hours a week, every week, no days off, no vacations. I mean, just crazy. A vacation would be two and a half days. A day off would mean I would go in, do my schedule, do the orders, take the inventory. And if everybody showed up for the shift, then I could take the rest of the day off and go to a dinner or something. But it's all I knew. That's all I knew. I didn't know what else was out there. And by them seizing the restaurant, it forced me to rethink my life at 30 years old and put me on the path of my career of where I am now. My friends like to joke, is Randy on his fourth midlife crisis or is this his fifth midlife crisis? I'm not sure because I'm always reinventing myself because I don't want to be stagnant. If you believe in numerology and some of those kind of formulations, there's something to be said for seven-year cycles in life. After seven years, it might be time to shake some things up. Hmm. You've shared so many pearls of wisdom. And I encourage our listeners, when you're listening out there, I will include the link to Randy's book, Radical Rebirth. I'll include the link. So check it out buy it, read it. Obviously, he's going in to just a few pearls of his wisdom, but he's got an entire book and he's sold over 2 million copies of some of collectively over all of his books. So he truly is an expertise in prosperity. Any other advice you want to leave our listeners with? How do you live with prosperity consciousness, daily self-development time? You've got to counter-program all the negative programs. If you guys do, if you actually read the Radical Rebirth book, and you see how much insidious negative programming, limiting beliefs are in every book you read, every TV show you watch, every blockbuster movie you go to, 
every Puccini opera, every ballet synopsis, the theme of the story. It's unbelievable. And you've got to counteract that. So daily self-development time, eat a healthy diet. Physiology is really important for your mental health and harmony. Get enough sleep. I like to wake up when I finish sleeping. I only set an alarm if like I got an early morning flight or something. Otherwise, I go to bed at a good time and I wake up when I finish sleeping. Your body will tell you what's enough sleep. And then I guess the other thing that jumps into mind would be association. Who are the people you're surrounding yourself with? Are these people who are dragging you down? Are these people who are actually even sabotaging you, whether intentionally or many times unintentionally? Or are these people who challenge you and call you to the highest possible version of yourself? Take a good inventory of who you're spending time with. And I think that's a really important step for living a life of prosperity. Mm, Perfect segue, because for those listeners out there, we recently did an episode on how to improve your sleep and boost your motivation, because I'm also a big believer on quality of sleep. We're going to be doing an episode that's going to be airing in a few weeks on how to get out of that toxic environment and how to approach somebody who's either triangulating somebody in the workforce or in your work environment, and then what to say and how to say it without being mean. And then we're also going to be doing an episode pretty soon on nutrition, because I'm also a big believer that you got to take care of your body. It's extremely important. Perfect segue. And thank you so much for joining us today. And for listeners, create an intentional day. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Hey, thanks for listening to the Power Prosperity Podcast. Do me a favor and practice the circulation law of prosperity and tell people about Prosperity TV. So if you would, just put something up on your Tumblr, your Twitter, your Facebook, your YouTube. Uh, Let people know what you think of the Power Prosperity Podcast. Even take a screenshot of your phone and maybe post that picture uh, so we can build the community here at the podcast. Thanks, guys.